Tonight's episode was sponsored by Masjid Al-Islam, 8210 MacArthur Boulevard in the great city of Oakland, California. They hold their Friday Juma prayers at 1.30. Come check them out. What's up, Vanished crew? This is Athena, your host today, and I have to apologize for my voice. I totally lost it over the weekend, so we're going to have kind of like a little mini uh, <laughs> mini episode so you aren't subjected to this voice for too long. So today's episode is going to be about the vanishing of two-year-old Dior Kuntz, and it's kind of a crazy story. I had heard about it a few years ago, but I was recently watching... It's like called Missing 411 or something like that. Um, and it's by Strange Vanishings in the Wilderness. I definitely recommend it. Check it out. I don't know if the, the guy, David Pallades, is like saying Bigfoot took these people or aliens or what. I have no idea what happened to poor little Dior. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later. Let's just kind of start with his background. He was born December 30th in 2012. Dior's mother's name is Jessica Mitchell and his father's name is Dior Sr. Apparently his first name is Vernal, but he goes by Dior. But just for the sake of clarity, I'm going to call him Vernal just so we can keep Dior and his dad separate. Because the story is complicated enough without getting confused on names. They decide to go camping one night. And... Everyone at first was saying it was like an impromptu last minute trip, but apparently that's not true. They had planned this trip for about a week. And I'm getting a lot of my information. There's a documentary called Little Man Lost. I got it from the 411 documentary. And there's plenty of articles online about the vanishing. So if you guys want to read up on it, definitely go check it out because it's a crazy story. So apparently the four people that go on this trip they are Dior himself, the little two-year-old little man, Jessica Mitchell, his mother, and his father, Vernal Dior Kuntz Sr., Jessica's grandfather, who's called Grandpa Bob Walton, and then Bob Walton's friend, Isaac Renwand. A lot of people describe Isaac as slightly developmentally disabled, kind of slow, so that might come into play a little bit later. But those are the only four people on this camping trip. And they leave around 6 o'clock on a Friday night. And it's 116 miles to get to Lelore, Idaho. Then an additional 10 miles west to the Timber Creek Campground. Now let me tell you just a little bit about the campground. It's accessible only by a rocky dirt road. And it's about like, it's a little less than 10 miles. And that 10 miles can take 45 minutes to an hour just to get through it. It's unpaved, it's really rocky, and you really need like a truck or something with high clearance to get through it. The family says they got there around 9.30 at night. So that night they set up the tent for Isaac to sleep in. Uh, Dior, Jessica, and Vernal all sleep in the back of their car, which is actually like an SUV. And Grandpa Bob sleeps in the trailer that they had towed. The next morning around 10.30 to 11 a.m., they eat, and apparently Jessica says that she had started her period and needed to go into town to get some, I guess, tampons or something like that. And 
she asks Vernal to drive her there. And what they tell everyone is that Jessica, Vernal, and little Dior all go into town. Apparently, this is where some time... I mean, I keep saying apparently because so much about this case is wishy-washy according to the parents' story. And the grandpa people are, like, saying is very forgetful and can't really give straight answers. And Isaac, they're saying, is developmental. So you're going to hear apparently a lot during this story. So they go into town and no one on this trip of theirs can confirm that Dior was with them. But they, the parents say that they went to a convenience store, got snacks, got the tampons, and apparently they went to some little store and got french fries for Dior before heading back to the campground. A little later on, I'll get into some of the private investigators that came in on the case. So they, they get all these items, return back to the campsite. Apparently there's a little creek that is right in the campsite area. You gotta walk down kind of a steep hill. It's not super steep, but it's steep enough that you wouldn't think a two-year-old can make it down on his own. Isaac is down fishing in the creek, and Vernal walks down there to go fishing with him, and Jessica starts walking down there. Apparently, little Dior starts following her, and she doesn't want him down there. She wants him to go take a nap. So, she tells him to go back up with Grandpa Bob and take his nap. She walks him walk towards, back towards Grandpa and turns around and goes back down to the creek. Well, about 15 minutes later, they had caught some fish and seen some little minnows in the creek. And apparently, Dior was obsessed with fish. So, they wanted to go get him so he could see the fish. They get back up there. First, they look around. They don't see him. And they ask Grandpa Bob where he is. Bob always says he doesn't remember being asked to watch Dior. He clarifies by saying that it could have happened and he didn't hear it or maybe he forgot. But Bob claims Dior was alive and playing in the campsite when his parents went down to go fishing. So after, yeah, they come back up to find him. And this is around 2, 2.30. They realize he's missing. And Bob, Grandpa Bob, claims that He looked away for one second and looked back and Dior was gone. He assumed Dior had gone down to the creek to find his parents. Jessica says they were only fishing for like five minutes. Vernell says it was probably like 15 to 20 minutes when they returned to the campsite. I'm more inclined to believe 15 to 20 minutes just because it was a little ways just to even get down there. So there's no way it was only five minutes. And people are using these little discrepancies against these people. And you have to, like, realize when you're out camping, usually you don't have a watch, you don't have your cell phone, so you're not knowing exactly what time it is, and you have to make estimates. And not only that, you're kind of frantic because your kid's missing. So they search the campsite in the creek area for 20 minutes before calling 911. Jessica called 911 and is actually able to get through to them. It's about a four-minute call. You can hear the, the audio, and I'll put a link up to that. Bruno, the dad, actually gets in the truck and decides to drive to a better spot to get, I guess, better reception. Around this time, the dad's in the truck trying to get a call through to 911. Isaac has returned to the campsite. Grandpa Bob tells him that Dior is missing, and basically search and rescue arrives at the campsite probably about an hour, hour and a half after Jessica's call. So one of the stories from Jessica is that she claims to have seen Isaac carrying a muddy shovel. She says that there was blonde hair at the tip of the shovel, 
but when Jessica tried to collect the hair, she says wind blew it away. The story about the shovel is only mentioned by Jessica once, and that's in a more recent interview. She never talked about it to police that day or search and rescue or any of the interviews with TV stations right after he went missing. So volunteers start looking for him. Law enforcement was interviewing all the adults there. And apparently over 200 people had searched the campsite looking for a little Dior. And they had everything, because this is super rugged Idaho. Like, people in California, we can't even imagine this type of rugged and rural. They have ATVs, they have helicopters, they have people on horses, and they have hounds trying to get a scent on this little guy. They come up with absolutely nothing. No trace of him has ever been found. They haven't heard anything from, you know, ransom takers, kidnappers, or whatever. And no bones have been discovered. But that's not to say something won't turn up eventually. We know how, like, somebody will go missing, and then, like, 20 years later, some hiker will find a skeleton or, you know, a skull or something. So who knows? We might find out what happened to Little Dior in the future. So the FBI and the local sheriff worked together on the case for basically the last five years. There's been many interviews with all four of the people involved, and basically law enforcement claims the only one they trust is Isaac. He's the only one that has kept the same story over this last five years. Law enforcement claimed that Jessica and Vernal failed lie detector tests repeatedly, and both of their stories had changed and morphed over time. But, I mean, I can kind of get that. They're both parents who've lost a kid, so of course they're going to be upset. And over time, memory fades, and you might remember things you might not have remembered the first time. So, I'm not too, like, on the whole, they're guilty bandwagon. So, according to law enforcement, they believe Bob, Grandpa Bob, knows more about the disappearance than he's saying. They do concede that Grandpa Bob does seem confused or forgetful. I mean, the dude's like 90, basically 90, so of course he's going to be confused and forgetful. He probably feels kind of bad, too. I mean, the little boy walked away on his watch. I mean, the only person they have in the story they're counting on is the guy that they're saying is developmentally delayed. I, I mean, I don't really know what to make of that. Back to the private investigators. The family had hired two private investigators over the years, but both of them quit. One of them, the first one, Frank Vilt. So let me just tell you about him. He's a retired U.S. Marshal. He does not believe the family's telling the truth, and he thinks that the family either sold or gave away little Dior. He basically resigned from the case, citing his mistrust of the parents' story. The second private investigator, Philip Klein. Now, this guy seems like a little slime ball. He's got several charges against him. He basically, he was fired by the family, and he is basically coming out saying that he believes the family killed Dior intentionally or unintentionally, and he doesn't believe the family is telling him the truth. He makes a variety of accusations against the family and the media. And if you dig into his background, he's got a terrible rep reputation. So nothing he says ta is taken seriously by law enforcement. But the first private eye, he is actually credible. He's a retired sheriff's deputy and a U.S. Marshal, like I said. He still works the case on his own time. He's not working for the parents anymore. But he hasn't come up with any answers either. So he might have all these theories about how 
the family sold little Dior, but he has no proof or evidence of it. There's really not much to go on in the case. What private investigator Vilt explains to Newsline in 2016 is that he believes it is possible Jessica gave up Dior for adoption sometime during the trip, either with or without Vernell's knowledge. While this seems like a far-fetched idea, Vilt is a retired U.S. Marshal officer and L.A. County deputy so he does have professional experience in missing person cases. In Jessica's most recent interview, she paints Isaac as a total creep who was rude to her and her family, making snarky comments about baby Dior, such as, why would you take a baby camping? Which I think is weird. A lot of people take a lot of babies camping. And she gave an interview in 2016 where she describes Isaac as quiet, and a quiet guy who never spoke to her or Vernell on the trip. So... That's just like one of the many examples where the parents kind of contradict something they've said previously or earlier in different interviews. But you have to realize, at first they gave a lot of interviews and they were super upset, probably drugged, when they're giving these interviews. So they might not even remember what they said. And apparently this whole town they lived in has completely turned against them. They ended up breaking up Jessica and Vernal. And Jessica moved on so quickly, in fact, that her mom didn't even go to her wedding to a new husband. So apparently both of them have moved away from the little town in Idaho where they were living. They have no idea still where little Dior is. Law enforcement has no idea. FBI has no idea. And neither of these private investigators have any idea. But everybody wants to point their fingers at the parents. Now, I spent hours watching different documentaries and interviews and I never got the impression that these parents were responsible for killing their little boy. I personally think what happened is they turned their back on a two-year-old in the wilderness and he either got lost and died of exposure or an animal got him. You can't turn your back on a two-year-old regardless of where you are, but especially in the Idaho wilderness. You know, grown adults that have experience in the wilderness have gone missing in Idaho. It's treacherous. It's the outback there is just it's not a joke and it will get you the second you catches you slipping. So I I can easily see how something happened to the little boy and you know, maybe an animal drug him away. Maybe he got lost and then an animal drug him away. Initially Jessica had said there was some creepy guy in a Jeep that was staring at little Dior when they were back in town getting her tampons and snacks or whatever. Apparently, police were actually able to track down this guy, and they interviewed him, and he had nothing to do with it. They weren't able to completely exonerate him. Like I was saying earlier, Jessica and Vernell broke up. He now works as a truck driver out of state, and Jessica is married to someone else. If you look online, you can actually uh, see the interview with her mother where she says that she was so weird out by her daughter getting married so quickly afterwards that she refused to go to the actual ceremony. Grandpa Bob died of cancer in 2019 at the age of 80 and like I was saying earlier about the missing 411 documentary, Isaac Renwald has does have a criminal past but they make it seem like he's a child molester and what the charge actually is in 2006 he got charged with domestic battery, which was a misdemeanor. He's not a child molester. He's not a convicted sex offender or a felon. 
like some online forums or discussions suggest. Law enforcement does think that Dior was alive for part of the camping trip. They believe Isaac's testimony is the most credible, and they don't believe that Dior went missing before the trip ever took place, like some people and some news outlets claim. According to Bob, both Isaac and him, the camping trip was planned a week in advance, not spontaneous, like Isaac's 2016 interview. There's just like so much misinformation out there on the case that it's really hard to get an idea of actually what went down. So that probably led to all these different rumors flying around and having these townspeople turn against this couple. And even though law enforcement say that they suspect the parents, they also go on to say that they have never been overly uncooperative. They've always been there for interviews. They've always been there for these polygraph tests. You would think, like, parents that were guilty would have lawyered up super quick, but they never did. So the lead investigator in Dior's case is actually the sheriff now of that area. Every single year, he organizes searches for Dior, and in a 2016 interview, he states that in the remote area of Idaho, he has done many searches for people over the years which come up empty-handed, only for the bodies to be found several years later in the exact same search area. So, like I was saying earlier, it's super easy to get lost in the Idaho wilderness. The second PI, the one that has a bad reputation, who's kind of a scumbag, in 2016, he came out saying that he had found the camo jacket that Dior supposedly went missing in. And I don't even believe that. Like, of course, like, kids have more than one jacket, right? And these people are from Idaho. You're telling me that this kid only had one camo jacket? No. I I'm thinking that it was a different jacket, and this guy's super sensational and likes to give interviews about this case. And I think that it was just a different jacket. And he's trying to pull it off as the one he went missing in. That P.I., Klein, he actually has several lawsuits filed against him and his firm for planting false evidence and basically just being a scumbag. He likes the spotlight, but a tiny bit of digging into his background paints a picture of the scumbag I've been talking about. If you go to YouTube, there's 10 hours worth of videotaped interviews he did with the parents. So if you really are into it, go ahead and go check that out. I got through a couple hours of it, but it's just I didn't think there was any more information to be found from watching all these hours. I guess in 2019, it came out that the sheriff's department had offered the, both parents a plea deal to reveal the body and testify against the other, and neither have taken the plea deal. And I think that says a lot. If one of them or both of them were involved, you think they would have jumped on that chance for immunity or whatever the plea deal was. I just, I think that's just one more thing that shows these poor parents just lost their kid in the wilderness, which happens every single year in America, probably several times a year. Now, I'm not sure where the parents have moved. You know, they, they both have moved on from each other, but I just hope that they have some peace, and I hope at some point they get some answers about what happened to Dior. I don't think he was kidnapped and sold into child sex trafficking just from the remote area they were at. There's just, it would have had to have been like a perfect setup. Somebody would have had been spying on them and had either like a horse or an ATV to sneak up to the camp just to wait for the parents to go away. No. I, I'm telling you, little boy probably just got lost up there and unfortunately died. And it's not like the California wilderness. This shit is no joke out there. You mess around and it's going to kill you. California wilderness is a little bit more forgiving. So uh, go to the Instagram if you want or the Facebook. I'm going to put some pictures of all four 
players in this case up there. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to subject you guys to any more of listening to this voice of mine. It should be back soon. It's already better today than it was yesterday. But before we go, I got to bring you guys over to the Update Avenue to let you know that the girl we talked about last week, Shayla Thomas, she has been found and arrested in Texas. She was found with her boyfriend, Brysa Baltazar, in some cheap motel in Texas, getting into a stolen car. I was wrong. I totally thought she was murdered and buried somewhere in the desert or forest by this guy. But apparently, she decided to skip out on her three-year-old's birthday party and drive cross-country with this Bryce guy that has been arrested for burning her baby with a cigarette and domestic violence against her. So, I'm not exactly sure what the story is with Shayla, but I guess at least she was found safe and not in a hole. So, I'll admit it, I was wrong. I thought she was dead, but she's alive. So, yay. I guess that's a good thing. And that's about it, guys. Take care, be aware, and don't forget your pepper spray.